Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. WGR Sports Radio 550 presents. On behalf of the Buffalo Sabres and all of our great fans, we are proud to select from the University of Michigan, Owen Power. The Buffalo Sabres are pleased to select from Lexan in the Swedish Hockey League, Isaac Rosen. I am under the impression that Florida and Buffalo have continued working on that Sam Reinhardt deal. I don't know all the pieces yet. They're going hard at it. It sounds like it's going to come down. I think there's still a trade call that has to take place, but Sam Reinhardt, Buffalo and Florida, they're working to try to close this. Sports Talk Saturday. All right, y'all, welcome back. Sports Talk Saturday, Hour 3, getting underway right now. We've got an extended hour as well here for your 2021 NHL Draft coverage. I'm Nate Geary, Brayton Wilson, Franklin Heinzman, all hanging out with you this afternoon. Going to the West Her Hotline now is my man Mike Catalana, who joins me now to talk a little bit about Bill's training camp, which is literally right upon us on the doorstep. Mike, good afternoon to you, my friend, and good to talk to you. You too, Nate. Good to hear from you. Yeah, good to hear from you, my friend. Um, so listen, it's been a uh, a pretty dramatic, unfortunately dramatic, last couple of days and really the better part of the last month or so. Um, and, and a lot of these eyes have just been on Colt Beasley, um, Mike. And, and, you know, I'm sort of wondering out loud anyways, what if any ramifications we're going to see as as we head to training camp and this team comes together because although it appears there's definitely some some differing thoughts about this whole vaccination process and what exactly is at play online you know on Twitter with Jerry Hughes kind of basically saying the exact opposite thing as Cole Beasley but it doesn't appear there's an actual problem or there's a fight on our hands or anything but it's definitely not something you want to see happening um, when you're days, hours away from reporting a training camp. Yeah, and there's a couple parts to this. First of all, you're right. Anybody, People can have their own views on the vaccine. And the other part is, you know, guys are going to disagree. I think the issue here is it's public. It's public at times, whatever level. You know, Jerry says something, and then Stefan Diggs has a tweet that people think is about the vaccine, and all this goes on. Sean McDermott's got to hate every of this this is i keep it in-house we keep all of our issues in-house and it's sort of being played out in public and the bills are that team right now yeah i mean yeah okay the the stuff the nonsense going on in green bay is one thing but it's aaron Rodgers and it's the quarterback and it's about you know that that goes on a lot this is odd that it's the bills i mean the leak stopped when mcdermott and bean got there and, you know, and, and honestly, Cole's brought this on himself. I've had people get to us, and you see it on social media, where they want to blame the media. Right, media. right. Or fans, we right. Blame the media Cole or the again. fans, right. <laughs> well, we haven't talked to Cole since the end of last season. And this is him on social media. So that's the part, I think, if you're McDermott, 
if he was just going at it with fans, okay, that can happen. He wants to make his point. But when the other players got involved and it's a back and forth, I just don't think. And then, you know, when he made mention of a player possibly testing positive or leaving camp or whatever it was the other day, yeah, that kind of stuff, if I'm McDermott, that'd be driving me nuts at the moment. So, yeah. No, I was going to say, Mike, you know, quickly. Yeah. The, the thing that I think, at least from my perspective, and if someone that, that's looking at this and how it's playing out, the thing that I think is most frustrating about it, you're right, is, is sort of this, well, it's, it's the media making more of this than it really is. But I, I think at the end of the day, it's less about the media and more about, frankly, the stance and 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 the narrative and the language being used by Cole Beasley, right? And 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 it sort of seems like he's a, a contradicting himself a lot. And then he says, you know, something about Pfizer putting, you know, giving him a stock yeah. to his wife, and it just kind of all in all, yeah. Mike, this seems pretty insensitive. All, all, you know what I'm saying? And and there may not be. Listen, at the end of the day, I don't. I don't have an opinion. Or I, how about this? I don't really care whether or not he's vaccinated, but. How he's approached this and what he has thought is appropriate to say, I think have been out of line. And and I think if you're Sean McDermott, you are okay with or you can live with the fact that a player doesn't want to be vaccinated. I think we can all – I can live with that. What I can't live with is some of the things that have been said, the contradictory remarks that have been said, and frankly, the overall ignorance that has been displayed over the last couple of days. Those are things that regardless of whether or not Cole Beasley cares about his brand, like he may not care at the end of the day how people think of him, but – it's not just his brand. It's not his integrity that's at stake. When people view what Cole Beasley is saying as negative, the Bills and the organization and the franchise and the head coach and the ownership group also yeah. get lumped into that. No doubt about it. And, and like I said, I think Jerry summed it up pretty well. <laughs> They're back and forth. Look, I, I'll use the example of the woman, uh, the track star, who is out of the games because of testing positive for marijuana. And, look, a lot of people can look at that rule itself and wonder how that is part of performance enhancing and should it be and shouldn't be and all those parts of it. But then the other part of it is it is a rule. It is what you have to do, and you violated it. In the case of Cole, I look at it and go, we can say, even he can think that some of the restrictions on the unvaccinated players are over the top and it's this and it's that and other. Yeah, he might be right. But as an adult, I look at it and go, yeah, this is what the league is doing to you because they want you to be vaccinated. Like, complain all you want. It's the rules in effect. And, yes, they are punitive because the league wants them to be punitive. So at a certain point, you got to say, I don't want to get vaccinated. This is the price I got to pay for it and and just accept it and go on and play for the bills, which is, I think, what is going to happen. And he's just going to have to accept it. And this is what's going to be the case. But sure, the league wants to make your life miserable if you're not vaccinated. That's as close as they can come to forcing you to get vaccinated. So at a point at 32 years old, I think Cole's just going to have to accept that and play. And I think he will. And I think that'll go on. I just think the public back and forth involving other players and the bills being the vaccine, anti-vax team in the NFL cannot sit well with Sean. Mike, and I, and I wonder, and this isn't just 
you know, directed towards Cole Beasley or John Feliciano or any Bills player talking about this. It goes towards DeAndre Hopkins. It goes towards some of these players that have been outspoken, like kind of sounding like they're like drawing this line in the sand, like as if, you know, and, and one of the talking points for Cole Beasley is, you know, well, the league doesn't care about player safety. And it's like, yeah, no kidding. When have they cared? Like, when have they pretended to care about player safety? There's a CTE, there's a concussion lawsuit against the league right now with the uh, b- basically accusing the NFL of telling former black players that they don't deserve the same compensation. Like, of course the league does not care about player safety. That has been abundantly clear for years and years. Yet I just don't I don't know why this is the line that they're drawing. Like these are these are players that that pump Teradol into their system so they can play on game day that are risking lifelong brain injury, reduce, you know, overall reduction in lifespan of their life because of the head injuries they sustain, but they're drawing a line at this and that's the thing that I think confuses a lot of I don't know, common sense people that are looking like this. Like, you guys put up with so much. You do so many things to your body. Right. What is a, What about this is stopping a 32-year-old or a player like DeAndre Hopkins to say he's willing to retire? They keep saying this or like, I think it's an empty threat, Mike, of, well, yeah. you know, I may need to consider retirement. And, and what it is is it's, it's trying to force the hand of the NFL to say, hey, NFL, like, you guys need to blink first. And I think it's very clear, Mike, the NFL ain't moving off this stance. This is their stance. No. And they're not moving off it. I just think it's really hypocritical to say all of a sudden that the that the NFL doesn't care about player safety. It's like no kidding, they don't care about player right. safety. That's they don't not care the about player right. Safety. Right, and they care about money. And I think that was evident last year when when the Ravens had to play the game, you know, yeah. uh, with so many players out, and Denver played without a quarterback, and the Bills had to wait four days to play against Tennessee, like. All the league was worried about was getting those games played and getting players on the field. This is a league that once played with substitute players. Like, money is first and foremost. And I don't think the league <laughs> really hides behind anything. That's We know the NFL. For the owners, it's about making money. Yeah, they want to win. Yeah, okay, they want to win. They want to make money, and they're going to find a way to make money. And, look, DeAndre Hopkins is a great player. Cole Beasley was an all-pro last year. And I will say this, Cole Beasley – is a phenomenal teammate for all the other in all the other ways. I mean, that guy plays hard, yep. plays hurt, came back from the knee. He is everything you want in a player. To your point, to draw the line here, obviously he feels very strongly about it. But at a certain point, this is a league that you know sends a guy around to check how you're wearing your socks before a game. Like that's not because they want you to look pretty. That's because they want you to look the way the NFL wants you to look. I mean, this, this is all about money for this league, and keeping players on the field is another thing. And DeAndre Hopkins is a great player, but guess what? If DeAndre Hopkins quit, the league goes on just – That's right. It's gone on without Peyton Manning. It'll go on without Tom Brady. It goes on without everybody and Aaron Rodgers and all of them. So that's the part I just have to think. Maybe this will go away in terms of the public part of it once they're at camp. Once people don't have all this free time on their hands, whatever it is, I hope so, because this team's got too many good things going for it to have this kind of distraction walking in. And it is a distraction coming in on Wednesday. Yeah, I think the irony too, Mike, is DeAndre Hopkins' point is, hey, you know, this might hurt my team if I can't play, but I'm willing to retire. (laughs) That You retiring wouldn't hurt your team? You you know, like, I, I don't know. There just seems to be... A lot of ignorance, not a lot of like, 
well-thought-out arguments on behalf of the players here. You know what I mean? Yes, and I think what happens is the player realizes, especially in the NFL, they only have so much freedom. They only have so much they can do. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers was in the NBA, he might have been traded by now, right? Oh, yeah. It's a a different world, right? They would say, okay, James Harden wants to be gone. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. That's the way NBA teams have operated. It's different. Aaron Rodgers, there's too much at stake, and the way it goes, maybe it still happens, but it's even Aaron Rodgers doesn't have ultimate freedom like like guys do in other sports. So I think they find out pretty quickly how little impact, especially when no matter how good you are, Rodgers, those kind of guys may be the exception, but you know you're one of 53, or you're one of the best players, but. You know, it's guys get hurt. This is just this league. It, the, the league is set up to constantly find replacement guys on the field due to injury, due to other reasons. I mean, it's the way the league is. So I do feel in many ways I feel for the players. I think it's the most dangerous sport. I think it's the hardest one to maintain your position and to maintain your money in this, in this league. But at the same time, they also should real after being in this league, they should realize the way the league operates. And at a certain point, you got to fall in line and play. If not, somebody's there to take your place. Mike Catalana here on the Wester Hotline. He's the Fox Rochester Sports Director for 13 Wham. And you can check him out at buffaloplus.com as well. Uh, Mike, I, you know, listen, this has sort of been the conversation. And this is. Frankly, things like this end up being the topic of conversation a week before training camp because we've already spoken about the five training camp battles that everyone expects to see for the last five and a half months. So this is obviously what's taken precedent over the last few days and, and, and frankly, the last few weeks. But, you know, what do you make of this? You know, at the end of the day, this ultimately is a rule that's being passed down. These are there are punitive penalties. What do you make of the penalty of both teams losing game checks? And what do you believe, especially if you're a veteran like Tom Brady, right? And and we just see today Bruce Arians announced that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will fine players $14,000 for protocol breaches. Do you suspect that the Bills will potentially do something like that? Or, or do you expect the Bills to just say, if you're unvaccinated and you break protocol and you hurt this football team, you know, there will be consequences. And who knows what those consequences are? But I guess at the end of the day, Mike here, I think teams like the Buccaneers that are in this Super Bowl window. Listen, if the Bills were the Raiders right now or the Jets, I don't even know that there's really this much back and forth about this because who cares, you know, if if you end up losing, I don't know, name a Jets player. Like, this is a football team in a Super Bowl window, and I think that's also why the microscope is on the Bills the way that it is. Yeah, you know what, I, I compare it a little bit to parenting sometimes, and you know, sometimes parents will say, you know, I don't care what other parents are doing. But you know what? It's a lot easier to parent your kids if their friends group parents sort of have the same ideas and the same type of punishments because then you're not the one who always looks like the bad guy. Uh, I think if other teams around the league are saying, this is the stance we're taking, it's easier for every team to fall in line with these protocols. And again, you say, what's the advantage of, of having or what, what's the reasoning behind both teams losing money? Peer pressure is the reason from every team to say, get the backs, get it done. Like, I, I don't know how much influence other teams will have, but let me, 
let's hear from a team when a game gets canceled. Now that would have been the rule last year too, but you know, the idea that they, but they were doing everything possible to play the games last year. This year, if it's an unvaccinated player, players that cause a game to be postponed, I don't think the league's going to go down that road. No, I think they'll make an example of two teams and forfeit the game. And the team gets a win, but nobody gets paid for that week. And that's not going to go over well. And that's what I'm saying is that's what the league is trying to do. They are trying to do. They cannot say you have to be vaccinated. So they'll just do every other thing to push it. They're going to use money. They're going to use peer pressure amongst other players. They're going to use um, winning and losing games. All those things are going to be part of it in order to get and, – and we do see a lot of te- – I mean, teams have moved up. Obviously, some of this has increased the amount of vaccination. And we don't know what the Bills' number is. I guess yep. if I heard correctly, Andy Reid said the Chiefs are at like 90% yeah. or something. I don't even think he was asked. I think he just said it. So, um, you know, it is a competitive advantage. I mean, we see it in other sports too. So, uh, I, I look what I'm hopeful for. I'm going up there Wednesday – this is my, what, the 34th Bills training camp. I, I don't want to talk about the vaccine. Yeah, I know. I really don't. Right. I just don't. I'm just, I want it to just be, you know, especially when we're in person, we get a chance to be there. But the problem is, it's, it, they've made it, some of the players, Cole first and foremost, have made it about this coming into camp. And like I said, hopefully maybe it's a short-term thing and then we just get on with talking about football but I don't know where we're going to be. And then and then the question is, are there issues as the season goes on? And then it becomes a bigger deal. Well, I think to your point too, Mike, it, it sort of does feel the way that the NFL created this thing is to create essentially a construct of player policing. Because yeah. you don't want to be the player that costs 100 guys a game check. Like, you yeah. don't want to be that guy. And if you are... I can't imagine, particularly for the team that has to forfeit, like you in a a playoff year. And let's say it's week 15 in a playoff race. Like you don't want to be that guy. So they're almost creating a construct in which the players are going to hold other players accountable to this. And I, as much as maybe people want to feel like the, the, the NFL has stepped over its, its, its boundaries a bit here in this decision. Listen, the NFL pays millions of dollars for lawyers if you don't think that the nfl didn't have lawyers write this language and knew exactly the type of pushback that would be created i think you're i think you're crazy yeah nay i'll I'll go back a hundred years when i was playing high school basketball and if you screwed up on the court uh my coach would make the whole team run except you and you sat next to him while your teammates ran Uh uh-huh now that is incentive because you are getting um I'll say looked at with certain phrases that I can't repeat on the radio while you're sitting there and everybody knows you're the guy that cost everybody running laps, running suicides, whatever it is, Uh, that type of pressure. And now we're talking about money, money. And again, this doesn't even necessarily have to happen. The threat of it happening is they are threatening people. This is what they're doing. Let's be grownups here. You know, if there wasn't language that needed to go through the uh, NFL Players Association, they would have just imposed it like they did to the coaches. 
They said, you got to be vaccinated. You want to be there. I mean, somehow the league will get by without Rick Dennis. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you about that, Mike. Like, I, I, do, do you believe there's a lawsuit coming there from Rick Dennison to the team? Because it looks like it was a team decision, not an NFL decision. Yeah, I don't know all the specifics of it, and I, I guess he could sue the team. I mean, but at the same time, like, when you do look around the league in terms of what has happened, I don't know what the percentages are of coaches and staff, and staff yeah. in that case that are vaccinated, but it's going to be awful high. And how do you do that job without being, right. again, there were certain things in place last year because everybody was in the same boat. Well, they're not anymore. They, this has been a separation. And so I, I don't know if in terms of a lawsuit, but I, I guess anything could happen in this league. But to your point, too, these teams and leagues have lawyers, too. So maybe in, in that case, hey, maybe in that case they pay the guy off for the season and move on, and it's a lot less than any other issue they might have going forward. Mike, um, I, I had Sal on earlier for a couple of minutes, and, and we were sort of talking about some of these training camp battles, which, again, yeah. I, I hope ends up being more so the, the topic of discussion. At the end of the day, day one and Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, when these guys talk to me, they're going to be addressing all of this stuff that has happened over the last couple of weeks. There's just no doubt about it. I guess the question becomes, right. when does it actually turn to football? And for me I, and you, I think we both agree, we hope it's sooner rather than later. But let, let's, for, for a moment, talk a little bit about the running back situation. Because one of the things that Sal said, I think, resonated with me a little bit about the quote-unquote battle that's existing with sort of the lead back. And and I, Sal said something that I agree with. I don't believe there's an actual competition for the lead back in this offense because I'm not sure there's ever truly going to be a role for a lead back in this offense. Do you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, the way I look at it is it could be um, on a given week. A guy's hot in a game, gets a few extra carries. They look at it that way. I really do – I think we've seen that already. You know, when Zach Moss fumbles in the end zone, maybe he sits for a little while. I mean, that's that's kind of the way it is. Uh, you know, Saquon Barkley's not on this team. Like, they don't have that kind of guy that you want out there for as many snaps as possible. I and 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 let's be honest. What what do we think's going to happen in this quote unquote battle? It's not like it's not like they're going to keep Devin Singletary and trade Zach Moss or the other way around at the end of camp. I mean, they're both on this roster. They're both playing. I think it's that type of battle in terms of if one guy proves he's more, you know, does something a little extra, I don't know, whatever it happens to be. It probably comes down to negatives more than positives. It comes down to a guy giving up the football or not doing his job in protection that sits a little bit more. But I don't think no matter who, quote, wins or has an edge, it means 20 carries in any game. I mean, that's not this team. So it's a battle, but I don't think of it as, as, a, as a, like, man, this is, they're going to make this call and then the other guy's out the door. So it's not a running team. It's a, it's a game-by-game thing. And, you know, like I said, maybe somebody does show and gets a little more time, but running back is still a rather limited position on this team. Last thing I have for you, Mike, is wide receivers. Um, you know, do, yeah. do you, are, are you like sort of 
saving a little part of your analysis into thinking that there might be a surprise play at wide receiver. And and I guess I'm looking at Isaiah McKenzie in this, right? Um, I, I'm not really, I, I don't buy at all that there's even a conversation that Cole Beasley is not going to be around come week one. He's yeah, too important he, to the offense. Yeah. He knows it too. And I think everybody knows just how important Cole Beasley is to this offense and, and their ability to make it work. The thing I find most interesting is this team has players um, and there's... They draft a wide receiver. I find it hard to believe they're not going to find a way. Like, you're not going to cut a guy that you drafted. I, at least, I don't think so. So where do you believe Isaiah McKenzie fits? Is he a lock? Or do you believe that there is some some un, maybe uneasy or unbalanced ground he's standing on? I don't know. You know, McKenzie has been just sort of that guy for them. And, you know, he always seems to find his role. And... Uh, I would be surprised. I think somebody else has to really step up for them in order to do that. I mean, you know, I don't, we don't know what they're going to see out of Hodge, right? He wasn't around last year, so you don't know. And when Cole was out, I mean, look at the game that McKenzie had. And there is, has been a role for him in this offense, whether it's jet sweeps, whatever it is, and coming up with some plays, uh, I, I guess. I'm a little biased because he's one of my favorite players on the team, and I just want to see Isaiah around. But we're also not talking about a first-year guy who, depending on what happens, you know, that you're thinking of taking over long-term for Cole Beasley. I, I don't know if they think that way. Just because a guy fills in and has a good game doesn't mean he's a 16-week guy right. in the slot. I mean, what Beasley does, he does really well, and I don't know that, but – if I'm betting right now, I say McKenzie's on the team. I think he is. And there was some que- – I mean, look, there was questions. There's always been questions about it. But there are certain guys who continue to find a way to prove their worth. And I kind of compare him a little bit, even though he's in a starting role, to Levi Wallace. Mm. I know everybody's in on right. Dane Jackson, and I think Dane Jackson could be good. But you better prove an awful lot to Sean McDermott because Isaiah uh, – uh, Levi Wallace has shown up and has made some plays and has been a starter in this league. So this team is good enough now where, like, you know, especially in that type of position where you're playing a lot of wide receivers, playing a lot of corners, they're going to want guys they can trust. And I think to whatever level, they trust Isaiah McKenzie. And somebody's got to show that trust. And I don't, I don't anticipate that happening. I think he finds a role on this team as he's done, and I think he contributes. Mike, thank you so much for making time for me, as always. Always appreciate you, my friend. Uh, tell the folks, too, because uh, you, you've got a lot of great stuff, you and Jenna yeah. and, and Feats over there. have got a lot of great stuff going on at Buffalo Plus. Tell the folks where they can find uh, any additional work that you guys do outside of TV. Yeah, what we do mostly is the Buffalo Plus name is what we have. We have buffaloplus.com. I think what people will really like is the Buffalo Plus YouTube channel. That's where we put a ton of our content. We've got our show every week on Thursdays. We post all of those shows, all of our interviews, all of our own analysis, all of the Bills interviews. It's just put in Buffalo Plus on the YouTube channels. Myself, Jenna Cottrell, Dan Fates, everybody from uh, the 13 Wham Fox Rochester team. So we have a lot of fun with it. We've had great subscribers. People like it. So we're happy with that. And it should be a great year to talk about a ton of things in what uh, we hope is another outstanding build season. Awesome, Mike. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, my friend. We'll be uh, we'll be in short touch, I'm sure.
All right, you too, Nate. Thanks. Mike Catalana there at 13 Wham Rochester. He's the sports director over there. And, of course, you can check him out on their YouTube page for Buffalo Plus or at buffaloplus.com. I'm going to take a timeout. Joe DiBiase is going to join us quickly next. Uh, he had a couple of Twitter takes. Stop me if you've heard Sneaky Joe has a Twitter take for you. But I, there's one I actually agree with and I want to talk, which d- doesn't mean I disagree with everything Joe says. But and, what do you got? And, and at some point, I just will uh, will give you my general thoughts on the Sabres two picks yes. of the second round. Uh, currently right now, it's round three, pick 74. And this draft process is going extremely extremely slow. Luckily, we don't have to coincide our show with the entirety of this draft. Yeah. Otherwise, we might be here till midnight. We would probably be here till free agency opens on Wednesday. <laughs> All right, quick time out of the side. Joe DiBiase coming up next here on WGR. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I think I'm just a two-way defenseman that can play in any situation. I can play the power play, penalty kill, last minute of the game, no matter what the score is, if we're winning or losing. So just someone who who can play in all situations and and log a lot of minutes. That is Sabres' first overall pick, Owen Power. Welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday. And, uh, Franklin, thank you so much for for bringing Joe DiBiase in on some sob rock because uh, it should be topic of conversation. But we'll start with Joe because – Joe, well, first of all, welcome, and uh, Joe DiBiase here on the Western Hotline. Um, if for, for whatever reason you don't know who Joe is, um, I don't know where you've been, but also Joe, uh, on top of his duties here at the station, is also the host of Locked on Sabres, so I felt like it was appropriate to bring him on to talk about a couple of his tweets uh, that I happen to agree with and kind of wanted to expand on um, this afternoon for the show. But thanks, Joe, for, uh, for joining Brayton and I. We appreciate it, buddy. Must have dropped out. Oh. Huh. Well, I take back every nice thing I said about Joe then. <laughs> yeah, give him some flack when he comes back oh, on. Oh, I will. There's no doubt about it. We'll wait for uh, for Joe to get... Way uh, to drop out on yeah, us, Yeah, seriously, Joe. way to drop out. Way to drop out. Um, one of the first things that we'll kind of talk to Joe about here is the Sam Reinhardt trade. Uh, well, <laughs> the supposed Sam Reinhardt trade. Just any trade, period. Just, just any trade. Do something, Darcy. Do something, Darcy. Um, no, but just the... The general return on the Reinhardt trade or the proposed return on the t- the Reinhardt trade um, has sort of been the topic of conversation, uh, mostly because nobody knows what the actual return is other than the fact that there's a goalie, there's potentially a first-round pick, but is there more, is there less, um, and do you feel good about that return? 
Uh, one of the things Joe tweeted out um, is he feels better that if, if if for whatever reason that the return for the Ristolainen trade was it somehow return for the Reinhardt trade, everyone would sort of feel better about it. And and Joe, now that we have you here on the line, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that concept because I do I, I, I find mm-hmm. myself nodding along and agreeing with everything you say in that tweet. And I, I sort of wonder... In a vacuum, I guess it matters who you get in return for, for, for Reinhardt right now. But all in all, considering how this offseason, and I'll say offseason, how the draft yesterday started by the Sabres getting a first and second round pick and a rostered NHL defenseman for Rasmus Ristolainen, I'm just not sure I can really poke holes in the supposed return for the Reinhardt trade, particularly because it feels like we don't exactly know who is who else is involved other than Levy right. uh, and, and this first round pick. Right. It's hard to make a final judgment on it, obviously, until we see what's in it. But yeah, if it was a 2022 first and it was Devon Levy and Frank Vetrano, that's not nothing. It's not, I would necessarily say terrible, but it would be a little bit disappointing given, I mean, just you would all think Ristolainen is not as valuable of a player and a trade asset as Sam Reinhardt is. So I guess when you do look at on the macro, and think that, okay, well, if I told you yesterday they're trading Ristolainen and they're trading Reinhardt, they're going to get the 13th pick, the 13th overall, the 13th selection uh, in yesterday's draft. They're going to get a first-round pick next year. They're going to get a second-round pick. They're going to get Frank Vitrano. They're going to get this goalie prospect, Levi, and they're going to get a defenseman, Robert Hag, thrown in. I think you'd take that. I, I think, think you would like, every right, time. That's pretty good. It's yeah. maybe not a home run, but I, would, I think I would sign up for that. But I think where the disappointment would lie in is because it's like, all right, we got the we got that pick for Risto, we got a second thrown in. It's like, imagine once we get whatever we get for Reinhardt, then we're going to be doing way better than we thought we were going to. So it feels like a bit of a letdown in that regard. But I think that's just kind of what the market dictated yesterday. Defensemen were going at a premium. Seth Jones goes for a crazy return. Oliver ekman Larson brings back the ninth overall pick. Right. Defensemen, you can argue how good they are in the first place. Meanwhile, Pavel Buchnevich, almost a point-of-game player last year for the New York Rangers, not Sam Reinhardt-level player, but still a very valuable forward. He goes for a second-round pick and a throw-in. So maybe we should have seen it coming a little bit that – the forward market just was not as valuable as the defense market yesterday. Sabres officially make the Sam Reinhardt trade official. So the uh, the, Finally. the trade is uh, Devin Levy and a 2022 first-round pick from the Panthers in exchange for Sam Reinhardt. So there is no additional there roster player. There is apparently but... no additional asset. It is just Devin Levy and the first-rounder in 2022. Okay, so now that we know that, Joe, and there is no rostered NHL player in return, it does feel a little light on the return, but all in all, I think if you look at it from the group perspective of you got rid of two players and here's the return you got. I I do I think I tend to enjoy it better when I look at it that way, but just in a vacuum with the Sam Reinhardt trade alone, your conversation about what the league is valuing, I think is an important conversation in regards to the return the Sabres got. It does feel, Joe, that across the league right now, there doesn't seem to be that value on forwards. And I wonder if part of this is how Florida views Sam Reinhardt, do they view him as a center? And if they view him as a winger, does that have less value in potential return if they're viewing him as a winger? I, I wonder that too. I think he probably fits into their lineup better as a center, to be honest. I think they're pretty strong on the wing, especially given that they're not giving up Petrano in the steal. I think they're pretty strong in that position. But I think it also could play into what could play into this is the contract. And does Florida not know if they can sign Sam Reinhardt to an extension? 
because if that's the case, then the value kind of makes sense. If you're trading for a player that can hit UFA status in one year, as good as he is, I think this is what you'd be looking at. So that's the immediate thought I have as well is if Florida had an extension lined up with Sam Reinhardt, I have to think he'd be going for more than he is today. But I also think that Reinhardt, there was more pressure to make that deal right now this offseason than there was for Jack Eichel. I mean, technically speaking, Reinhardt, if he wanted to bolt out of Buffalo, he could do it, technically speaking, in one year. Eichel, technically speaking, can't do that for five. So if this is representative of what the forward market is around the NHL right now, you kind of still had to make the Reinhardt trade, I think, whereas you don't have to make the Jack Eichel trade uh, as much as the, as the Reinhardt trade. You might want to do it. You might want it to be over with. But, man, if this is what the forward market looks like, where you're getting what's probably going to be a late first-round pick next season and a goalie prospect that, yes, has been a late bloomer since he was drafted, but he still was a seventh-round pick, uh, for a guy that just had a career season playing center at a 40-goal pace, uh, man, I don't, I don't think I want to trade Eichel in that market. Yeah, and, and I wonder, too, and one of the things that, that I also agree with you is one of the tweets talking about how right now across the league the consensus or the rumor is at least sounds like that the Sabres are kind of standing pat and want maybe too much value in return for Jack Eichel. And, and I agree with you wholeheartedly that if you're not going, you should not budge on the value you believe Jack Eichel is worth, particularly in this market. If the value isn't there, you simply, you just can't take the best available offer and move on. That's exactly the situation this team and this franchise got itself in with the Ryan O'Reilly situation. And I would agree and feel that this general manager, generally speaking, is on better footing, maybe more solid footing than the previous one. And maybe even even to extend that past this a little bit more, sounds like he has a little bit more say within the hierarchy of ownership in, 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 in this group where maybe the Pagulas are finally deferring to the general manager on this type of trade and not let's get this guy out of here as soon as possible type of situation. Yeah, I think Adams is going to have the chance here to really go forward and, and go through with what he thinks is best for this organization, that he has a plan in place and he's going to be allowed to execute it. Um, because I think if you were ownership – you could make a solid argument that, hey, we want draft night to be about turning the page. We want to be done with the Eichel situation, done with the Reinhardt situation, done with the Ristolainen situation, and we want to just be thinking about Owen Power and Isaac Rosen. Like We want to be thinking about the, what's next for the organization, turn the page. And the fact that Eichel is still here, I think, is a sign that, all right, it's not all about that and that we need to stick to the value and we need to do what's best for the team on the ice. And if at the moment that means Eichel is still here and we have to deal with the headache of every time the GM gets in front of the media and every time the coach does, like he's going to get the Eichel question. And dealing with that distraction as we go into the season would be worth it to me if it means not taking just the best offer on the table, which might not be a good offer at this point. And I think what we're all kind of afraid of with the Eichel situation is, well, does this now extend to next year? If you say, all right, this forward market is not what we want it to be, we don't think it's smart to move Jack Eichel right now. And if that starts to bleed into the season and into next offseason, everybody's got that, that, that dark cloud off in, off in the distance right now yeah. of that no-movement clock yep. going to kick in next year. But to me, while, yes, that gives Eichel a lot of leverage and it gives him a lot of say, which could really knock down what the Sabres would get for him in a vacuum, I mean, if the market is already down and you don't like the value you're getting in the first place, I don't know if I really see the risk in, mm. in dealing with that no-movement clause. If you're getting, getting low-balled right now 
to me, what's the difference between that and getting low-balled next year? Yeah. Whereas That's a great point. maybe, you know, Eichel, if he really does want to get out of here, I think he'll work with the Sabres more than, than uh, just like, all right, send me to Boston. Yeah, because at the end of the day, the Sabres do hold the final leverage. They could just decide not to move him and force him to play, right? And, and yeah, I think if he, if, he says, if he says, I only want to be traded to Boston, this isn't Taylor Hall where Hall could leave in a month. It's, all right, you want to be traded to Boston? Sorry, not happening. Right. Like, you can just go, like, you want to be out of here? That's fine, but you're you got to work with us. that have good offers to yeah. Right. All right, Joe. Appreciate you, man. Uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend, and uh, we'll be uh, we'll be waiting patiently for your uh, for your post draft content over at Locked On Sabers. Appreciate you, brother. Awesome. Thanks, boys. All right. Bray, uh, Brayton, we've got uh, we've got some folks joining us in the 2 o'clock hour, uh, but the trade is official, and we've got Elliot Freeman. We'll hear uh, whatever soundbite he is is talking about here at some point here, as Franklin's got that on record, so we'll be able to uh, to play you back some reaction live uh, coming up next. i got Paul Hamilton rejoining the program in about five minutes, so we'll take a timeout and, uh, and quickly get Paul's overall thoughts on the uh, finality of the Sam Reinhardt trade, which has just come down over the last few minutes. I think the interesting thing about this particular deal is that, you know, Levi's a really interesting prospect. Um, you know, he played really well for Canada at the World Juniors when he was hurt. And also they had Spencer Knight, the young goaltender of the future, who won the gold medal at that event. I just think Buffalo's looking for goaltending prospects too. If you look at their overall situation at that position with Omar testing free agency, they've got room there for people to play. Elliot Friedman there. Welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday. I've got Paul Hamilton joining me quickly here to uh, just get us some live reaction. The terms of the Sam Reinhardt trade have finally been official. There is no additional roster player. It is a first-round pick next year and um, and Devin Levy. Um, so uh, quickly, Paul, just your overall reaction of the trade, in particular with an eye towards the future. How does this trade affect what this team does in the goalie market when free agency comes along because I don't ultimately I guess the question is do you believe this is a player and a depth piece that can help them this year or next year no he's going to Northeastern uh, he's his sophomore year so uh, he's he's going to college and uh, so I, I think maybe a one year type thing but then you got to put him in the minors right you know, Goaltending prospects don't just usually don't just prop up unless their name is Spencer Knight. Mm. Um, so yeah, he he's a little bit away a ways away, and I think what this trade is telling me is the Florida Panthers have no guarantees that they're going to be able to re-sign Reinhardt. So is mm. this going to be a rental, you know, for a year or? I would agree with that. You know, so that, that that's why I think the return is a little underwhelming, and you got a better return for Rasmus Ristolainen. Line and who's kind of in the same boat too? They don't know if they can re-sign him, but um, you know Reinhardt, I think, would be a more important signing for Florida. So that's why I think the return wasn't as good as maybe people would like it to be. But I like, I do like the goaltender. I loved what he did at the World Junior, and uh, I think he's a good goaltender. He's going to get some time in, in. I would say my guess would be maybe a couple of years in college hockey before he turns pro. 
The other question I had for you, Paul, is in terms of value, do you believe that part of the reason that maybe on, on top of the fact that there is uh, there at least appears to be no long-term contract at the moment for Sam Reinhardt or extension in Florida, do you believe just as it stands right now the forward market um, as it pertains to value in trades is a little stifled as it stands right now? Because it seems like the defensemen are getting really – overvalued right now in the trade market and it seems anyways that the forwards have been undervalued are are you getting that sense as well I think it's it's always kind of been that way you know you know the old saying build from the back out your goaltending your defense then your forwards so I think good defensemen have always been valued more than good forwards but yeah I think what you're saying is true but I think it's 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 something that that has been going on uh, for many years in the NHL but still I still think everything equal, you should get more in a trade for Sam Reinhart than you should for Rasmus Ristolainen. All right, Paul, so we're looking ahead at the draft here. The Sabres are, let's see, five picks away from making their next selection in the third round. That's Florida's pick. Or um, is it Florida's pick? Uh, let me just double check. Yeah, Florida's pick um, that they acquired Brandon in Montour trade. the Montour, Montour trade. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, you beat me to it. Uh, so how do you think the, the draft uh, has already played out for the Sabres and, and just your thoughts overall on what what the idea and the philosophy has been with their picks so far. Well, so far it's been small, small yeah, talent. That's right. Is what they're going false, small speed talent. Now in uh, um, uh, the first Russian they took, I'm trying to think of his name. Uh, that would be uh, Poldapov. Thank you. I couldn't think of his name. Uh as I was reading more about him, it looks like they're getting a more well-rounded player, a smart player who uh, you know can play at both ends of the ice. And his numbers weren't awful in the Russian Junior League this year, uh, 52 points with 25 goals in 63 games. So he's a little bit different than uh, Kisikov is, who is a very small player, but uh, has what one scout, as I was reading about him, says is elite offensive talent. Uh, you know, he scored 36 goals and 73 points in his 61 games with uh, Dynamo Moscow with the Junior League. So, um, yeah, it's it, – but, uh, you know, going small, and they have small. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm just kind of tired of watching small, fast people play on the wall and, you know, not go to the areas where goals are scored and, you know, be afraid they might get hit and all that kind of stuff. I've been watching too much of that. But – this is the draft, too, and you got to pick up talent in the draft and some of the players that I'm thinking of that they need to, to round out their bottom six might be more of a day two, day three free agency type of a pickup more than trying to draft those type of players. Uh, more, more in the draft, you're looking for more skill, speed, those types of players. All right, Paul, thank you, my friend. Uh, well, I'm sure we'll probably hear from you. If we don't, uh, for a throw, we've only got an hour left. We appreciate you jumping on again with us this afternoon. As always, uh, love, love, uh, love, our, love our time with you. My pleasure. Take care, guys. Thanks, Paul Hamilton on the Western Hotline. Quick timeout, David Pagnota, fourth period. Coming up next here on WGR. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.